We've been uh, in a series uh, called Don't Move the Lampstands. And really the idea behind this series is we, you know, we, we, there's all these reasons that people come to church. We've looked at them. We've, you know, we, we've talked about it over and over. Like, you know, my, my spouse wants me to go. I want to get closer to God. I, uh, I, I need to learn stuff. Lots of different reasons people go to church. And what's crazy is, is we've seen that, that God actually, I mean, I don't want to say God doesn't care about those things because God does. But, but God assumes that, that really the reason that you're here, the reason that you're supposed to be here is to shine a light on Jesus. That's it. The other stuff is cool and, and, and it should happen, hopefully will happen. But, but really, we're a lampstand. Uh, we're a menorah. And just as in the tent of presence, um, the menorah highlighted and shone the light on the bread of presence and the wine of presence, so we, as believers, as a church, are called week in, week out to come and shine a light on Jesus, come what may. And we've saw, we've been looking at what happens when we do. If, if this is our modus operandi, if we really are people who are dedicated, committed to illuminating Jesus, uh, Acts 2 kind of shows us what we should expect to see. And it, it, this, this, this text that we've been in, with, I, I've mentioned week in, week out, this is the text that um, J. Vernon McGee, when, it, when he kind of did like a blessing on this building when it was first uh, opened in the 70s, this is the text that he preached on, said, Coast, don't, don't get away from this. And so let's read the whole thing together, and then um, I'll just zoom in on, on some important pieces. With many other words, he, Peter, testified to them, encouraged them, saying, Be saved from this sick generation, this twisted, bent generation. Those who welcomed Peter's message were baptized, and God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. Well, what did the believers do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals and the prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. And this is our text for the day we're going to focus. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and his grace for them was obvious to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. I want to zoom in there on that. Uh, they were united. They were united and shared everything. It's uh, it really probably the, the most literal translation would be something like all the believers came together. They were coming together. It's an odd uh, little phrase in Greek. It's a prepositional phrase. It's kind of hard to know exactly what it means, it, but it, it literally would be something like, um, and to the same, right? All the believers to the same. But the, the way this phrase gets used, it's only used 10 times in the New Testament, but in almost every case, there's a location to it. There's a feeling of like, this is where they were. It wasn't just that they were united in spirit. They were also physically united. And we saw last week, they probably lived more or less together. And they shared everything. <laughs> That's not good news. I got a lot of stuff I don't want to share. <laughs> what? Well, I, I, I probably this this sounds to us probably a little bit different than it sounded to ancient people. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. The reason is, is that ancient people are, are were tribal people. Okay. 
In fact, we still, we have, um, in, in the world today, we still actually have some people who basically live as though the Enlightenment never happened and industrialization never happened. And it's actually a topic amongst um, global capitalists how to break into these communities and open up these markets. There's a, there's a whole bunch of literature on how to get into tribal peoples and make, and, and help, you know, improve their economy and, and maybe other stuff. Who knows? Uh, in fact, um, one of the, one of the, the central places where a lot of studies have been done is in central India because India was colonized by the British. I have a picture here of, um, some, uh, people, tribal indigenous peoples in central India who are mostly, have mostly avoided um, modernization and it's sort of happening right now. One of the principal reasons that it's difficult to get tribal people to kind of enter into the global marketplace is because tribal people have a, what's called a tribal economy and the tribal economy is a, a sort of a subsistence economy. What that means is, is that tribal peoples are not thinking on the long term. What they're thinking is, how do I get through this week? Right? How do I make sure that I don't starve this week? And tribal people have found that the best way to do this is to be in a small community of people where you basically share everything in common. And so what happens with, and this is really the standard, the norm for economy, all the, you know, up until like probably around the 16, 1700s in, in world history, what people would do is they would have the people they were related to, their, their extended family, and the extended family basically looked out for its own. This turned out to be a very effective way of surviving, but not a very effective way of thriving in the modern capitalist way that we think about it. So we look at tribal people and we're like, oh, if you just well, know this. Okay, so let's just say you have a sibling, right? And you're a successful person and your sibling is struggling. Your brother is struggling with work. And you're like, you might help your brother out, but kind of deep down, you're like, dude, you should, you should be able to take care of your own family, right? Don't you kind of have that sort of sense? Like, hey, buddy, you know, I, I'm, I'm willing to lend you some money because I'm a kind-hearted family member. But really, shouldn't you be responsible for this? That mentality does not exist in tribal cultures. In tribal cultures, if you have something, it belongs to everyone who's part of the tribe. So when Luke says they were, they came together in this, in this place, they were united in this place, they shared everything, what Luke is saying is the early Christians thought of themselves as a brand new tribe. That's the first thing in your note sheets. The first Christians saw themselves as beginning a new tribe. This is radical because tribes all throughout history were based on what? Your racial identity, your ancestry, your, um, your religion oftentimes, uh, but, but within a very specific people group. This is the very first time probably in human history when it didn't matter whether you were from here or from there, you spoke this language or that one, you were part of a tribe of people who could look nothing like you and have almost nothing in common with you. We look at this and we're like, sharing everything. That's French for the horror. But Luke looks at this and he's like, what's crazy is all these people who shouldn't be are treating themselves as though they're parts of the same team. He goes on, they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Got any Bernie bros? Bernie, there he is. 
right? Bernie Sanders, Sanders for president, 2020. Did you not notice when you were reading this text, and probably it's unavoidable for us in the 21st century, we're post-Marxist, right? We, we are aware that there was this dude, Karl Marx, who had like these theories of the economy, and gosh, gee willikers, it sure sounds like the early church was basically socialist. There's people who've got stuff and they sell it, and then they distribute to anyone who has need. It's communism. Well, I, you know, I, sort of an aside, but but just just so you know, so if 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 you're, people are always trying to hijack the Bible. Everyone's got their thing, and they want to show you that the Bible supports their thing. So for some people, that's socialism. For some people, that's capitalism. For a lot of people, there's a lot of different things. I want to really kind of disabuse, uh, disabuse us of that notion. What's going on here? All right. The, there, it is a kind of socialism in the, in the early church, but there's a couple of things about it that we need to know. Number one, this is an ad hoc solution to a difficult problem. Ad hoc, meaning they just kind of came up with this because it seemed like the best way to deal with the issue. Okay? Uh, the early church, they... The Holy Spirit comes, descends, all this stuff is happening, they're shining light on Jesus, and they're like, oh, dude, some people can't eat. And so some of the people with resources were like, well, I'll make sure they eat. That doesn't mean that this lasts forever. In fact, number two, this does not last beyond the first generation of Christians. In fact, if you're reading the Bible kind of like linearly, you'll see that right around 20 years after this, when Paul's writing, he's seeing the problems that get generated by this type of activity. He knows that there are freeloaders in the churches. People who are like, what? Free to all? Sign me up. Right? They're called pastors. <laughs> Who's ready for another raise? This guy. <laughs> no, he, so he knows that this is a problem. He like, Paul pastorally is like, uh, no, you need to like, you need to get your butt on gear and do stuff. You can't just... So we know that this is a, this is a temporary thing. And, and last but not least, what's interesting about the story of Acts, you fast forward a few chapters and you realize that this system that they put in place is problematic. Um, there's uh, some people who sort of lord it over everyone else. They're like, hey, big shot me. I sold all this stuff. You're welcome. You know, and like they're expected to kind of be lauded for it. And then uh, in Act 6, there's questions of like, well, if we're, if we're spending all of our time trying to distribute stuff, like how are we going to... Are we going to miss this? So I don't, and, and, and here's the bottom line. The bottom line, and this is the next thing you know, cheats. Um, you know, the Bible does not endorse capitalism, socialism, or any other ism. That, any other ism, that's from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller says, you know, I don't, I don't like isms. Now, there may be some isms that the Bible promotes, but really what the Bible is about is promoting the way God sees the world. And, and God, the way God sees the world may have some things in, 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 you know, similar to stuff that we associate with capitalism and socialism. But really, that's not the issue that the Bible is trying to deal with. Don't, and if you find yourself someday being like, oh, I'm so glad that God endorses all of my political positions. Slow down! Like, I, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to stop, John, before I get in trouble. Because I'm right at the edge. And if I keep going, I'm going to get fired. And like I said, freeloader here. Can't have that. So all I'm saying is that, is that what God gives a scripture for is to, is to give a, a, a view of the universe and the world that's counter to the isms 
that we embrace, that subverts the isms that we endorse. And if we're missing that, we're, we're probably, if the Bible just tells you that everything you think is true and makes you feel good about yourself all the time, you may not be reading it well. One of the things that happens when you read scripture with an open heart and open mind is you're like, ooh, you cut to the core of me. So what is Luke doing? If Luke's not promoting socialism, Christian, communism, whatever, well, look, look, at, look at back at the text here. Okay, they would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds. If Luke's not promoting like a, a, a grand, you know, this is how the church ought to operate in perpetuity forever, what is he doing? He's highlighting something that's truly unreal. When the focus is on Jesus, and we're, we're, all of our energy, all of our concern is on lifting him up, proclaiming his name, knowing him deeper, knowing the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit in a deep and real way. When that happens, we start to see ourselves not as individuals, uh, but as as a community, as a, as a tribe of sorts, and when you're when you're in that space and you're so focused on Jesus and promoting Jesus, you might be willing to give things you otherwise would not have given up up. We live in South Orange County. Got some stuff here of things that we could have a slide there. Yes. That's the parsonage, if you haven't been there. Um, the, uh, so it's a church-owned building. Um, I, I love the pool, you know? I, I, I kid. Um, but no, really, uh, we are insanely blessed. All of us are. And some of us are blessed in ways that, I mean would be inconceivable to ancient peoples. What Luke, what makes Luke jaw drop is he sees the Christian tribe, he sees people giving, and not just giving, giving stuff that it's a real sacrifice. It's not just, you know, I like giving, it makes me feel good. It's, I'm never going to get this property back. But it matters more to me that the tribe continues to illuminate Jesus than that I have this really awesome house. Or in my case, this really awesome TV. Or in some of your cases, this really awesome car. Luke sees this radical heart change, almost unique and novel in human history and human civilization where people are so fully committed to seeing the Lord of life lifted up that they give, and not just give, they give in ways that hurt. That's the next thing in your note sheets. Many give sacrificially so all 
can illuminate Jesus together. And what's the point? Why, why are they doing this? What exactly does, does giving make happen? What, the, the sacrificial giving leads to something, and that's the next thing in the text. Luke says, L- listen, every day, every day they met together in the temple. They ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. Uh, that word there, simplicity, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating word that Luke chooses because it, it's, it's, it's not just that, uh, it, it's the opposite of why we go to parties, okay? If you go to a party in general, you spend time with other people and there's a party, the reason that you're going is to show off, right? You're like, look how pretty I am. Um, or if you're hosting it, you're like, look how awesome my stuff is. Look how sophisticated my food is. Uh, maybe you're there because you need some, some connections and you want to meet all the cool people. And the cool people are invited to the party and the not cool people are not. And so you go to the party to glad hand and find out how to get ahead. Okay? What, uh, what that is, is that's cosmopolitan, sort of worldly type thinking. This, this word is the opposite of that. It's almost like a naive, kind of unworldly, non-cosmopolitan simplicity. Like, they're getting together and it's like, and, you know, they, instead of having catered by the finest, whatever, they're just making sure that everyone gets their rice bowl because they just want to celebrate and, and, and hang out together. It's not this, like, over-the-top incredible thing. It's, it's just they want to make sure that everyone gets to, to have, to be a part of the party. And they do it in their homes. It's been a few months, so I've given myself permission to reference the Lord of the Rings one more time. There's an interval. So when you're, the preaching books say, like, you can't hit the same topic over and over and over again. You have to have, like, a two to three month interval before you go back to, like, your So that's what I'm doing now. All right, this is The Fellowship of the Ring. If you haven't seen this movie, that's sad. I saw it 11 times in the theater. I'm not kidding, 11 times. Uh, I didn't have a job, so I had the time. Uh, That's like literally 33 hours in a movie theater watching this film. Um, I love it. I love it to death. And I can't wait for the 4K remaster uh, this year. So when that happens... It's going to be great. Anyway, uh, so what happens in Lord of the Ring is uh, it's this, this really beautiful kind of telling of, of how it is that the mission brings people together. So uh, th- th- these, are, these are different races, right? Here's, they've got a couple of humans, there's a wizard, there's a dwarf, there's an elf, some hobbits. These are all people who are radically different, can't stand each other, they don't, they're, they're fighting all the time, but they recognize that there's something really bad going on in the world, namely that the evil Lord Sauron is trying to get the Ring of Power. And the Ring of Power is in the possession of young little Frodo there. He's uh, second from the left. And the only way they can destroy the Ring of Power is to drop it in Mount Doom. And so the council of all the free peoples of Middle-earth get together and they put together this team. And they're like, you got one job. You gotta blow up that ring. And they're all engaged. They're like, yes, okay, we're, we're willing, we, we know the mission. And what's so cool about the film, and really the trilogy, is that even uh, after the, the, the team breaks up and they're, fr- they're fractured and splintered, because they're all committed to the mission, they remain faithful to each other, even faraway places, having no idea what the others are up to. 
because they're all in on this thing. And one of the things we see during Fellowship of the Ring is there's Boromir on the top right. He's a, a prince and a human. He is like super skeptical of the whole thing. He looks at the little hobbit people and he's like, you're a joke. You can't do anything cool. Like I'm strong and I have a big sword. You're, you're useless. But as he goes through this, this mission with them, he starts to enjoy them. Next slide. He's like a big papa. And they're wrestling as they're like, they're sword fighting and they're, and they're playing and they're having fun. And he realizes he really has come to think of them as more than just, you know, his companions on this quest. They've come to mean a ton to him. So much so that uh, when the chips are down, he realizes they're in trouble. And what does he do? He does the dumbest thing you can do when someone else is tr- in trouble. This is a rule. When you're, if you're being attacked in New York City, you, you yell fire, not help I'm being attacked. Because if you yell help I'm being attacked, no one will show up. They'll just leave you to die. If you say fire, they'll be interested and they'll come and, and presumably call for help. Well, Boromir's not like the citizens of New York City. Boromir hears that they're in trouble and he runs to them. Next slide. And he costs him his life. He, uh, he, he takes three arrows to the chest, um, doing everything that he can, giving everything he can of himself to see uh, these people that he's come to love Make it. Similarly, what happens in the church is, is when, when we're focused on this and we don't move the lampstand, we keep it right on Jesus, we, in this sort of kind of natural process, just begin to see each other as, as people that we love and people that we're kind of invested in and care about. And, and we find ourselves in a place where we realize, hey, because I love you, because I care about you, I, I'm willing to, to make some sacrifices to make sure that you can be a part of what we're doing, of, of illuminating Jesus, so that you're not excluded, you're not left out. And if that means resources, then resources. If that means time, then it's time. If it means sitting down and talking, then that's what we do. But whatever it is, I'm willing to give so that we can all be doing this. And the way that happens changes. And that's okay. This is the next thing in your note sheets. When we are the lampstands, the mission doesn't change. That's what we do. What changes is the way we do it. So we don't have to, you know, thankfully the market economy, for all of the ways that it can be abused and and is probably not great, it has improved the way that we can care for each other. We don't have to just sell stuff. And the reason that doesn't work is sooner or later you run out of stuff to sell. And that's what happened in the Jerusalem church. They ran out. There wasn't enough. In fact, Paul ends up getting a huge uh, gift from all the Gentile churches to float them. That's a big thing that's going on in the background of the New Testament, the gift uh, to the Jerusalem church to keep it going with all the needs that they have. But we, you know, we, we now we have money market accounts and all kinds of things, the ways to help each other. And I don't know, I, I, I don't know how economy or money works, but, but those, there's a lot of you who do. Thank God you're on the finance committee and you're keeping us, you know, rocking. Um, all of that, 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 that changes. But making sure that everyone's involved in illuminating Jesus doesn't. And, you know, it's difficult. Like, we, we live in a world where it's sometimes hard to be in each other's homes all the time. We live far from each other. 
We're busy. Our kids have a thousand activities. And so it, it may not look like every day where the home is open and we're all eating together, or it might. Who knows? That can change, though. That can't. And so I got to thinking, you know what? So let's just assume that basically we can do whatever, right? There's, no, there's not a whole lot. The, the Bible isn't saying you must do this in order to make sure that, the, that you're illuminating Jesus. You're illuminating Jesus, and, and, and these things are going to naturally occur. But we still have some guidelines for what that community will look like, what the sharing of resources will look like, what the, the taking care of each other is going to look like. And so I have some thoughts on this based on this text. Number one, food is important. And I'm not just saying that because I'm fat. It's a, it's a fascinating thing. You could do like an entire, you could do a year-long study on food in the Bible, and it would be new every week. There's something weird about food. I don't know exactly what it is. We, um, we went to SeaWorld with the Ballingers. It was super fun because um, they had, they, apparently at SeaWorld there's this thing where you can pay like 20 bucks or 40 bucks, and then you get unlimited meals for the day. You just have to, you wait one hour in between meals. So we had eight meals. It was awesome. Because I thought I was going to hate SeaWorld. I really did. Uh, but it turns out, man, I don't know what they do there. Like, I wasn't really paying attention. Apparently there's rides or something. But man, the food was great. I, it's, it's almost magical, though, when you, when you break bread together. I'm glad uh, Arch and uh, Craig and their families are here because growing up, I remember one of the th- I, I remember a sermon where Arch talked about the power of sitting down at table with people. Especially when you're not doing it to like, you know, get something, to be something you're not. When you're just sharing simply because you love shining light on Jesus together. Number two, no one gets left out. This is a tough one because it turns out that a lot of us don't like each other. Um, but the whole point was it didn't matter if you were this race or that race, you had this much money or that m- much money. It didn't, if, if your life is built around that, then you're in. And part of the joy of being a part of a tribe is working that out. Like elbowing each other and rubbing up against each other in uncomfortable ways. There's a beauty to it. Number three, money can't be a barrier. This is a a commitment that we have um, at Coast, and that is no matter what we do, if we're doing it as a church, uh, you know, we're not, money money's not a problem, okay? We're going to figure it out. And that means that, you know, I'm going to knock on the door of some of the people here who are very blessed and be like, please, shower us with your blessings. Um, I, I don't ever want anyone to feel ashamed of being like, you know what, things are tight and I just don't know if I can be a part of this. No, yes, you can. I had a family come to me this, uh, this, this Christmas and said, hey, we really want to bless somebody. Is there, is there somebody who just needs to be blessed? I was like, yeah, there is. 
and open-handed. Because money is not going to be a barrier to having a good Christmas at Coast. Number four, don't go over the top. This is, uh, especially here in Orange County, you know, there's this sense, and we talked a little bit about with the party thing, like, there's a sense of like, oh, you know, we're going to make sure that that we're going to invite people to our house and it's going to be perfect. Oh. Or or uh, the food that you're going to have when you're with us will be unparalleled. No. Dude, just get some McDonald's. Like, seriously. Like, McDonald's, it's, it's really tasty. It tastes like crack. Um, it's... Uh, it's not too expensive, okay? Um, you know, or if you're more inclined to your cure, cure, the Poke Bowl, right? Something a little healthier. A Poke Bowl, reasonably priced. You don't have, there's no like, there's no sense that what we're doing here is, is trying to impress each other, okay? If, if you're here to be impressed, you're at the wrong place. We're not that impressive, or at least I'm not. And, 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 and me trying to pretend that is not, it's, it's counterproductive, it's not helpful. And, and, it, and it shifts the, what it does, honestly, the going over the top thing is one of the biggest reasons that when people try to do community together in churches, they end up moving the lampstands, right? It starts, it stops being about, oh, we worship Jesus together. It starts being about, dang, that's nice. That is no wrong. In fact, if you ever have us over, don't clean up. Seriously, I want to see all of the underwear on the floor. I love that. That's awesome. You don't... And I know this is so difficult for for ladies especially. In general, I know there are some men who want their houses to be super clean. But in general, it tends to be the ladies. Like, well, we just can't do it if we don't look perfect. Okay, I get that. I do. I do. I get that. Um, Well, I don't. But I'm married, so I sort of do. Um... I, I, I see where you're coming from, and, and I do, I, I know that we don't want to be judged or judge each other and all that. But you have to understand that if that is a barrier to you being gracious and open, that's a problem. Right? And I, I would say, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, that's a big thing for us. I know that it's difficult. We get stressed out when we host. We don't, you know, a lot of people are super good at that. We're, we're not. It's, 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 it's a stressful thing. But I worry sometimes, maybe it's because we're going over the top. We, we're, we're, not, we're not remembering that what we're doing here is we're just sharing a meal with people who want to illuminate Jesus with us. And instead, we're like, we're like trying to be somebody we're not. Last but not least, no method or program is Forever. I'm really excited because, uh, you know, the women's ministry is uh, starting up. They're doing the, the, the game night, and they have a kickoff. I know that Trent um, is kind of spearheading a pancake breakfast for dudes uh, at some point here in the near future. There's a lot of stuff that seems to be percolating, popping up. I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities for, like, different events and whatnot. But here's the deal. As human beings, we tend to be the kinds of people who, who like, fixate, and we we— turn something that, that, that we turned into like a ritual almost or an institution. And again, when, when that happens, when, when we're so focused on we've got to have this, 
then, then the, the lampstand starts to move. It stops being about Jesus. I remember one, time, one year I was like, oh yeah, we should just not do the uh, Thanksgiving feast. There was a riot. There was rioting in the streets. People came with pitchforks and torches, like, burn the heretic. I get it. I do. I really get that. But also, I mean, hold on a second. Did the early church have a Thanksgiving feast every year? No. No, we're not going to cancel Thanksgiving feast because I don't want to get killed. But, but I do worry. I wonder, like, what is it? What are the sacred cows? Like, it's got to be this. We can't have community if we don't have this. We can't worship Jesus if we don't have Dude, guess what? Yes, we can. And for those of you who have been here for a while, there might be some things in our church experience that we might be like, because eh, maybe it's not as important to the newer folks as it is to us. When we do this, with all of our hearts, people get baptized people who need to be rescued out of this sick generation, they come to us because they see release and freedom in Jesus. They see forgiveness. They see new life. They devote themselves to knowing scripture, to loving the Bible. We find that, that people do life together and worship together and they share. We share what we have to make sure that no one gets left behind. All of that comes from a renewed and continued focus on raising Christ. Next week, we're going to take a look at what happens when we stop. When we move the lampstand, what happens? Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we are so grateful for the different provisions that you've given we thank you for so many uh, in this community who, who share sacrificially, who are willing to just take a hit to make sure that no one gets left behind. God, I pray that you will increase in us a desire to share resources, to host, and to include, to make sure that um, no one's left out, that the money is no object, that instead we as a people are just together in our lifting the name of your son, glorifying him making him the center. We love you and bless you, God, and in his name we pray, amen.